You may be seated, church. As you take a seat, before I go into the sermon, I, I, I'm going to, it's, it's going to be a crazy morning. To those that have been with us for the last two or months, two or three months and have been coming back, first of all, um, uh, thank you. Thank you for coming back. I want to make a parenthesis. I'm going to try to do something that I'm going to try to pull off, and it's going to be almost impossible what I got to do. Um, when, when, when you're pregnant, when you're pregnant and, and you're about to have your baby, I've always seen that moms come into that final stage, and, and every minute seems like it's a week, and every week seems like it's a month because you just got so much on you, on weighing on you, that you just got to let it out. You got to let it out. But you can't birth it without pain, and the Word of God works the same way when you're pregnant in the spirit and i am pregnant in the spirit and when i'm pregnant in the spirit what happens is you get all this word on top of you and it weighs heavy on your shoulders and i was even thinking this morning you know i was thinking god how do i how do i get the people of god where i'm at not because i think i'm more than you in no way absolutely but how do i get you to where god has given me i think i have over 70 bible verses i want to share today which i won't be able to pull off and and i was thinking the only way i could really get this message out effectively is if if I had like four hours to do Sunday morning. I don't know about some of you folks. Some of you folks like you just want to get home, right? But 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 the truth about it is 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 if you think about 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and everything you did, what kept on coming to my mind, I actually had asked permission to 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 those that are that that are new or visiting for the first time, if you're like, this guy is all over the place, just hold on, bear with me. If you've never had an autistic child, if you don't have one, or if you've never had somebody with high level of deficiency disorder, that is me. Just bear with me. The church will explain to you. The brothers and sisters that invited you, people that told you to come, just go up to them. What's wrong with your pastor? And say, He's like that every Sunday. Just wait till the end of the sermon. Just wait till the end. He'll, he'll come around. He'll come around. But but it, it was, I was, um, I was praying and in my prayer, I really wanted to speak before we started worship because God had given me two things that were really important that have nothing to do with this sermon at all. And if I explain, it's going to take away all my time for the sermon. But I'm going to tell you the first one. And the first one is, is you people are beautiful people. That's the first one. I'm going to repeat that. You people are beautiful people. All right. And you, you should, man, folks, you are sorry, bunch of folks, man. I just said, you're beautiful. I just said, you're beautiful. You know, every wife, where are the wives in the room? All the wives in the room that have their husband. Okay, all the wives. Look at your husband. Just pat him on the back and say, you're beautiful. (laughs) Husbands, do that to your wife for a second. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Don't forget your ministry. You know, when I think about who we were, when I think about who we were and who we are, in Jesus Christ. All I can think about is that he's made us beautiful. He's cleansed us. He's washed us away, man. You know, there's this verse in 1 Corinthians 6 to 11. This is not going to pop up on screen. Half of the verses I'm going to give you today won't pop up on screen. You guys just relax, chill out. Don't worry. It's all my fault. Okay. Okay. Um, you deal with this Holy Spirit after. Go to home and say, Holy Spirit, why are you giving Pastor all these words? You deal with him. And it says, and that is what some of you were. He says, you are whoremongers. He says, you are thieves. You are crooked. You are liars. You are porn addicts. You are and Some of you are like, I wasn't any of that. You liar, man. You just liar. Maybe you, maybe you didn't have a problem with porn or drugs or anything like that. Like I, me, I never had a drug problem. But, but I know I had other problems in my life. 
And when I think about where I would be without Jesus, you know, and then Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says, and this is what some of you were. And I just resonated in my heart. He says, it was some of you were, but you were washed. <laughs> Come on. You were sanctified, people. It says you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Is anybody happy for being washed in the blood of Jesus? Man, man, oh, man. How many are Panther fans in this room? Okay. Panther fan? Okay. Anybody have another team they're rooting for? Eagles. Packers. Giants. Okay. Okay. Now, having said that, I better hear that same noise while I'm preaching. If I ain't getting that same name, that same noise, next week, I will bring your football team's flag on the altar and I will burn it. So I better hear, that's good, pastor. Oh, pastor, that's a good sermon. I better hear, wow, my pastor could preach. The word is powerful. I am going to burn football flags if I do not hear a noise. I have no problem you getting excited about your team, but you can't be more excited about a, wor- a filthy, unworthy team than for an all-living, loving God who washed you and stained away all your sins and took it away and made you new. Now, if you're visiting for your first time and say, well, my church ain't this noisy, right, that's why you're here and not in your church. And if you're saying, well, I don't like this pastor, well, I don't like you much either, but I'm still preaching the word of God for you, because it's not about what you want to do, it's about what you got to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about what you want to do, it's what about what you got to do. I hate crapping, I hate going to the bathroom, but you got to do what you got to do, right? I mean, maybe some of you like it, right? I know a couple of men out there just love sitting on the throne, but me, I don't like it, but I got to do what I got to do. So if my physical body's got to do what it's got to do to survive, my spiritual body's got to do what it's got to do to survive. Come on, that's good stuff right there, man. So I guess you got an amen out of that one. All right. But you people are beautiful people. Come on, man. And here's the next one. Here's the next one. Thank you. Here's the next one. Here's the next one. Um, the Bible says that his spirit would outpour on us. He says, and I will pour my spirit upon you. The Bible says the prophecy, Acts chapter 2. And the Spirit pours on us because the Spirit comes from God. And when it comes from God, it comes from God. And we have this, this need, this dwelling inside of us of the Spirit of God because we're so contaminated. Have you ever done something that you got really, 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 really dirty? And then when you, when you walked home, you, you took a shower and the water just drained on you. And you were feeling like when you cut the lawn, mow the lawn or you were spring cleaning and you're all dirty and you see all dirt coming down. And it washes you and you need that. And when you walk out, you could, be, you could be dead tired. And I know what it is about showers, but you just like, you grab a second wind, right, to go on. Same thing happens in the spirit. I remember once counseling and, and my first experience of counseling with, a, with a, a, a person who was a pedophile. He was talking. He came to confess his sins to me 
me. I have no idea why he did that, but he came to confess sin to me, and he was sitting across from me. He was telling me about how he was a minister in Texas to children, and he told the church, be careful what people offer the church. When you say, why is pastor so rough? Because pastor's always watching out for the great, for the, for the, for the flock. He's always watching out for the flock. I can't let my guard down. Pastor, why? You got to be careful. You got to understand, you can't go to the hospital and not work with sick people. Sick people. You can't go to church and not work with sick people either. You got to understand. So, uh, so, so this guy would, would rent a house in front of the church. He rented it because he was, had money, and he told the pastor. See, pastors dance to money. Not this pastor, but most pastors dance to money. You know, and then they, they put the, he rented the house in front, and he would take all the kids with his wife, but he had a sickness. And what he would do is he would line the children up in front of him to, to kiss his, his genitals and say, Jesus is here. Until somebody caught the guy about four or five years later, and he obviously went to jail, came out of jail, and then he comes out of jail. He's, he's, he's sitting in my office in Puerto Rico telling me this. And, and then he finished his conversation saying, but I feel I got a calling. And, and I said, well, it's not children's ministry. You know? and, um, and, and I remember going home, and it was really difficult for me because that's a matter for, for reasons I, I won't say today, but that's a matter that I, it's hard for me. Those are some things, some, some areas in my life are hard to cross over to. You know, even as a pastor. And, and I remember going home that day after counseling, and I remember him speaking to me. And I remember turning on the shower and taking a shower. Guys, and I'm not kidding you. I remember feeling his dirtiness on me. Does that make any sense? I remember him feeling his dirtiness on me. I was like, oh. and I, you know, and I remember him telling me that and me in my office, and I had my leg crossed. And if you have that problem here, don't, don't get me wrong. We want to help you. But you need to understand that in man's realm, not God's realm, in man's sinful realm, there are just some sins that, that some of us are, have difficulty, you know, dealing with. A woman who went through child abuse has a difficulty, um, um, you know, she has difficulty uh, with her husband abusing her. She has difficulty going on in life. A kid who saw her dad beating mom doesn't understand the structure of marriage. And and I'm, stand, I'm sitting there, and I remember I got a stomach ache because at that moment, as he was speaking to me, he was just so calm. And I wanted to jump over the desk, grab his neck, and just start beating on him. And you're like, well, that ain't too pastoral. No, it isn't. So I got up, and I went to my associate pastor's office, and I went to him, and I said, listen, I, I need you to pray for me right now and come back into that room. His wife is, I am going to hurt that man, and I, I don't want to hurt him. I know I'm losing. I'm, I'm in the flesh, and I can't counsel in the flesh. He prayed with me. He came back in with me, and we dealt with that. But even our Hours later, I remember going home and taking that shower and taking soap and just just scrubbing myself, or just scrubbing myself. And there was just there's just there's just praise in Spanish that I, it, it won't sing in English, right? And I, I can't sing either. But there's just praise in Spanish. Um, and and I just I just give you the, the the choir of it, the chorus of it. But it's the chorus of it says, um, um, "Renuevame, Señor Jesús, pon en mí tu corazón." It says, renew me, Lord Jesus, put in me your heart. And then it says, porque todo lo que hay dentro de mí necesita ser cambiado, Señor. Because everything in me needs you, Lord. And it just says, it just talks about changing, changing everything that's in me. And I remember the author of that song is a famous um, Christian singer. He's like the Chris Tomlin to, to, to Hispanics. His name is Marcos Witt. And he was, he was actually the Hispanic church 
pastor to Lakewood Church of Joe Osteen for a season. And, and he says that when he wrote that song, I came to my, that, when he wrote that song, he had opened up the shower and he had shampooed and, and he was the God, give me a new song, give me a song. And shampoo started coming down his face. And he said that the Lord spoke to him and said, 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 you need the way I, re- the way you renew your flesh. So I renew your soul when you search for me and you let my spirit bathe you. When you let the spirit fall on you, you renew. And I remembered that. And at that point, I realized that no matter how much soap I was putting on, it wasn't a physical dirtiness. It was, an ext- and it, was it was a mental dirtiness, a soul dirtiness. So what I did was I literally put shampoo on my head. I put shampoo on my head, and I let it drain all over me. And I said, God, let your spirit renew on me. And God said, fool. God said, fool. It's not the shampoo. It's your heart. So I came out, and I remember going before the Lord and saying, so... We need to renew constantly as, as we need to, as the body of Christ, we need to renew our minds, guys. We need to ask, Pastor, how do I renew? You renew when you go to the Spirit of God and you say, Spirit of God, renew me. And the Spirit of God falls on you. And when he falls on you, guys, he's going to cleanse your mind, every ache, every pain, every bad situation, guys. It just cleanses it. And, and Pastor, why are you saying that? Because I think you're beautiful people. Number two, and, I, and I'm thankful for the congregation I have. And I'm thankful for being pastor's congregation. I think I'm blessed, man. I think I'm one of the most blessed pastors in the world to be pastoring because I love my church and and i know they love me and i feel it and i see it and and somebody came up to me and said last week do you know it's pastor's appreciation month and our church didn't do anything for you and i said i said i'm glad they didn't they said why and i said because pastor appreciation month is done for churches that don't appreciate their pastor all year long so they pick one day to make them feel good i'm a pastor who's appreciated by his congregation the whole year i don't need one day i'm blessed i'm blessed now if, now, if you're a pastor with a so low self-esteem and need people that hit you all year to come and hug you one day, day a year, you got a sick congregation. I have people who love me all year long, and I'm a blessed pastor. That's why I don't need that. I mean, I'm a blessed pastor. But I need to cleanse. And I told the guy, I told the person, you just got to go and cleanse your mind. Let it go, man. Let it go because you have things. I know who I'm speaking to, but I just want to share those two words. Number one, I think you're beautiful, and I think I'm blessed. And number two, I believe that the name of Jesus, his presence, just renews all atmosphere. You take a refresh. You know, you boot up. It's like shutting off your cell phone and turning it on or shutting your computer down and turning it on. And that's what Sunday's all about. That's all I wanted to say there. There goes 10 minutes I wasted in my sermon. And maybe you got more out of those 10 minutes than you get out of the sermon because I'm going to confuse the hell out of you in the sermon. But this is the first part is, 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 is you, you, you get this renewing of your mind in Jesus. It's just incredible. Why do you go to church? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why are you always in church? I'm going in church because my car doesn't run without gas. So I go to church and I, well, you could get gas at your home. Yeah, the problem with the gas at your home is that the fountain of your gas at home is only going to be the one you provide. When you come to the body of Christ, you acknowledge your weaknesses and you know that iron sharpens iron. And you know that the faith of the believers, the true believers around you will be able to impregnate you with the word that just gives you strength to cleanse your spirit to collective worship and to be able to go out and say, I got this this week. I got this. But, but it's your refreshing time. It's your time where you tell Satan, I, you're not going to steal this from me. So I just wanted to share that with you. Now, now I'm going to today's sermon. Let's jump into today's sermon. As I jump into today's sermon, there's something I want to I wanna, I wanna establish. I want to establish three concepts, and I probably won't get all three out before my clock runs out. But I want to establish three concepts that are going to be important for you to learn. The first concept I want to speak about, and, and this is a Sunday school. We're in Sunday school mode today. I'll, I'll, I'll be ministering and preaching at the end, I promise you. Before I'm done, I will be ministering and preaching in, in, under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, there's just, something's going to happen. Something's going to break loose here today, and I'm positive about that.
about that because we're on the topic of spiritual warfare. But before I do that, I want to go into the profoundness of Scripture. And I, I want to dare to open up a door and take a step further in, in the depth of Scripture that church normally doesn't touch. I want to talk about the topic of pre-existence. When we talk about the topic of pre-existence, hence, and let me make the clarification, when I talk about pre-existence, I am not talking, uh, I am talking about existing before you were here on earth as you know yourself. But be careful because the topic of pre-existence has been very uh, um, 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 violated, has been very adultered. And the topic of pre-existence, even though it is a biblical concept, and I'm going to prove it to you, there's, I don't want you to think, I don't you want to walk out of here and say, well, pastor believes in pre-existence. Maybe I was a tree before I was born. No, no, I'm not talking about reincarnation. I do not believe that you were something else physically or you were in another body. I do not believe that. There is no biblical concept or structure to believe something like that. There is none. I do not believe in that. So be careful when we use the term pre-existence, but I want to use it because it's the term that will clarify most what I'm trying to teach. When we talk about the term of pre-existence, don't, and I don't want to deviate from what I'm here to teach today. I'm not here to teach about pre-existence, but I am here to say that before you were who you are now, you were. Listen, before you were who you are here now, you were. Pastor, what do you mean I was? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, in your mama's womb, before I formed you, before I made you, I knew you. God saying, I knew you. God saying, I had a relationship with you in heaven before you were down. I, I knew you. Now, some people take the basis theologically and say, well, when it says I knew you, it doesn't say I existed. It says that God is sovereign. He knows everything. Read the whole verse and you're going to see it says it. It's not talking just about God's knowledge. He's saying, he's not saying I knew you would exist. He's saying I knew you. God's saying I knew who you were. I knew what you were going to be. I had a relationship with you. And pastor, well, if it says before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Is there a true pretense? Is there never take a portion of the Bible out of the Bible when you use Bible um, uh, uh, rules, um, hermeneutic rules? Always have a parallel scripture to back that up. Can preexistence, was is that a godly concept well look at jesus jesus says in john chapter 8 verse 58 and verse 59 jesus says jesus said he was before abraham now abraham had been born way before jesus had been born on earth <clears throat> but it says in john chapter 8 verse 58 it says very truly i tell you this is jesus speaking jesus answered before abraham was born i am He's saying, he's saying, before Abraham existed, I also pre-existed. So Jesus Christ himself is talking about a pre-existing phase in heaven way beyond our spiritual context. And if you say, well, pastor, I'm still not, I'm still confused about this. Then explain to me why Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 says, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to who? To God, who what? Who gave it? So what are you saying, Pastor? The Bible says when you die, you die in physically, but your spirit that existed was before with God. Now, I, now even though I'm teaching you theologically how pre-existence is and how you were in heaven, according to Scripture, before you came here in spirit, that's not my point. My point is another one. What's my point? My point is, why did he send you? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 now, there's a great question. If you get this one, guys, it's worth every single minute you were in church. Why are you here? Purpose. Watch this. For we, were, for we are God's handwork, handiwork created in, G, in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are created to do what? Church, we are created to do what? Good works. 
which God prepared in what? In advance. So before I was, now catch me, watch, everybody, I'm getting there. Don't fall asleep, okay? Listen, before I was on earth as I am, I had a relationship with God. Jesus was up there even before formation of man. There is a pre-existence of my spirit, and when I die, that spirit will return there. And the Bible says, Jesus is saying, I had made a plan advanced for you on earth. I have a cause for you. I have a purpose for you on earth. There's a task. I, I call it the des- this holy designated task. There was a holy designated task for Carlos Rodriguez in the spirit and God said in the spirit in heaven he's saying you know what I am going to send you in flesh to the earth because I have a purpose for you on earth I wanted you I want you to enjoy something so God created man and when he created man he breathed and he's put his spirit in man and man came to life and now this man has a purpose on life if you go back to the garden of Eden you will see Adam and Eve in the garden and God tells him all his purpose God says multiply. God says fructify. God says do this. God says do this. God says enjoy life. God has a purpose for man to be in victory and live in the Garden of Eden. So God created you with a purpose. Look at the person next to you and say God created you with a purpose. There's a designated spiritual task for the person next to you. There's a designated spiritual expectancy then. If God gave me a task, he's expecting something from me. Listen, if God gave me a task, he's expecting something from me. I don't tell my wife, I don't, I don't tell my kids, here, go to the store, buy coffee and come back and that's your task. And then they come back, there's no coffee and I just stand there and go, hey, where's the coffee? I didn't buy it. That's okay, no problem. Doesn't work that way. I get a task and then because I got the task, there's an expectancy on me to deliver on the task given. The question is, what is your task? What are you called to? And here's what I want you to understand. God doesn't make a mistake. So when he sent you, you be 14 in the room or you be 55. I don't know if you're living out that godly purpose and task in your life, but I want you to understand that sometimes it's not just one. I believe there are many tasks that you're called to do. And when you were sent here in relationship with God, the the only person who truly knows that task and knows that will is the spirit that dwells in you. Why? Because the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways and his, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And because we lack in the flesh the ability to understand the greatness of God you need to bathe and renew yourself in the spirit because in the spirit and the fullness of the spirit you'll be able to understand the spiritual things and then you're able to connect with that divine calling and say oh I got it wait a minute I know but the problem is if you do not live in the spirit and you do not walk in the spirit and you do not fill yourself with the spirit you're going to lack the full understanding of it because you're just not there you know that phrase that says nobody knows what they have until they lose it Ever heard that? You know why that's true? You know why that's true? Because when you have it, you take it for granted. Now watch this. Somebody else's, I'll give you an example. Somebody else's pain never messes you up as bad as you think it will until it becomes your pain. I'm serious. Listen, somebody you love, somebody you love, their kid dies. You love them and their kid dies. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, you're crying, you're crying. That hurt. Your kid dies. I don't care how much you say you understand. You can't. It's not your kid. You could relate. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be insensible. You could relate, but you, you can't fully grasp it. Why? Because, because it's, it's not your kid. You could love this person, but it's your kid. But when it's your kid, when it's your kid strung out on drugs, 
And people could, could console you and people could put their arm around you and people could hug you. But the truth about it is that, that the profoundness of, what's, of how it's hurting you, only you understand. You know why other... Now, now don't get me wrong. It's not that other people don't want to understand. It's that they can't understand. And the people that could come closest to understand you are what? Listen, listen, common sense are what? People that lived a similar experience. Somebody lost a child and they come to you and you lost your child. Then you could relate to the person better than anybody else in the room. Why? Because the person lived the experience. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Nobody could relate to the spirit unless what? They have lived the spirit. When you live the spiritual experience with God and the fullness of it, so then you understand it. But you can't understand it until you lived it. Why do you think mission trips make like, next month is mission month. We're going to be in a mission field every single Sunday. We're going to try to transmit live what we're doing there. We're going to be, don't miss next month because next month they're going to talk about that later. It's, It's a series. It's called Explore the Land. We're going out. We couldn't get all of you to the mission field, so we're bringing the mission field to you folks. Now, why does the mission field touch so many lives? It touches many lives because you go there while you're here, you see the commercial and you see the starving child and you see the buck. And, and nowadays, everybody asks for a buck. So you really don't know. I mean, we're not bad people. Just guys, honestly, you don't know who to give it to anymore. It's like, do I give it here? What if it's overhead money? What if? And the truth about it, do you know that the average dollar you give, 30% of it is the only thing that actually touches a child? It's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of crazy. That's why I give all my donations through the church. Why? Because here we have a policy, and our policy is no overhead money from the donation. That's our policy. Until I die, the overhead money does not go. No, we take from our tithes and offering for the overhead money. We do not touch the money given for the overhead money. You gave a buck, a buck will receive. But the thing is, when they go on the mission field, here's the thing. You don't know what to do, but then you go on the mission field and you're walking there and the kids are naked and they're, and they're all full of dirt and the kids are running up to you and you're serving a cup of water and they're, they're flavoring it like if it was like the finest wine in the world and then you come home broken and now it means something to you. Why? Because you lived in it. And until you don't go back to it, you can't continue to experience the grief and the pain as big because in our flesh, what happens between point A and point B? You know what happens? It's called life. Life. You have to work. You have to put up with a whole bunch of stuff. You have to go to school. And then all these things come around you. And it's not that we're unsensible human beings. It's not that. It's not that you're a bad person. Stop that. I told you you were beautiful, good people. It's not that. The problem is life attacks me and all these things start coming to me. And then I don't have fully grasp of it. So, Pastor, what are you saying? That the same thing happens in the spirit. If I want to understand God's will for my life, I have to have this fullness and this, this, this bathing of the spirit. Because the bathing and the fullness of the spirit will come bring me back to my origins of why I was here on this earth for the first place. And if I understand why I'm here for the early, it doesn't matter what's going on in life. I could easily return to my God-given purpose. Now watch. Some of you are called and were empowered. I'm sorry. Let me correct that. Everybody here was empowered in the spirit before you in your pre-existence. And I want to be careful with that term. I'm going to change it to in your, in your commissioning mission day. I like that. That's a cool term. Because that way you don't go in the new era on me with the reincarnation of that. In your commissioning mission day, not the day you were born, the day you were sent to earth and you were born. In your commissioning missioning day, that day, God said, watch this. Watch, watch. I'm going to make up something. Go build a house. Listen, he's God. He didn't send you to build something that you can't build. 
He empowered you here, not here. So your empowerment of what you feel you're called to do here, if you're, oh my God, help me, there's good stuff. If you try to get it great going from here, you're always going to fail because of life. You need to return to the source and understand the fullness of the empowering there. And then down here, your task with your broken child, your task with your broken marriage, your task with your, with your difficulty in ministry, your task doesn't seem so big. Why doesn't it seem so big? It doesn't seem so big because you're not living based on what you see. You're living based on what you believe that you were empowered to do. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, 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 that's pre-existence. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I don't think anybody could be a better husband to you than me. You lose me, you divorce me, you suck. <laughs> Pastor, is she talking about divorce? No, no, I just don't think anybody could do a better job than I can. I don't, I don't think I can. I think another husband would shoot her, drive over her, throw her under the bus. I really think so. I really think so. You'll go broke. I'm it, baby. Right here. Is it? Full closure. There's your Cadillac right here. And God, God equipped me in heaven to be her husband. God equipped her in he heaven to be my wife. And if she decides to live in the full potential of the wife or women, can, I, can the woman in the room say amen? If you decide to go to God to try to figure out how to be that great wife for your husband, all the single ladies, listen up. There's a difference between your marriage failing and you actually being good at what you do. If you decide to live up to the expectation of what God has for you when he gives you the man he gives you, that's up to you. You know one of the, one of, one of the number one jobs of a woman when she gets married? Number one jobs. Everybody's like, pray, lift up, read the Bible. You're there to not make this man feel lonely. Number one job. Your husband feels lonely. Oh, look, you guys are dying right now. There's silence in the room. If a woman's husband feels lonely, sister, you need to go back to school. If your husband feels lonely and lost, he needs, you need to go back. You're missing out on the mission God gave you. Husbands, if your wife feels fragile and scared, you failed. Because God called you to cover her and make her feel security. And if she fears you, you're in trouble. Because she shouldn't fear you. She shouldn't be fear afraid is what I'm talking about. You are called and designated by God to make this woman and make this man great. Oh, and the kid you have, the kid you have, God gave it to you. He could be 27 on crack. She could be 16 and sleeping with the neighborhood. The kid God gave you, that adopted kid, the child of your second husband, that person is designated to you and God equipped you because he knew that was part of the process. So when you think, I can't deal with this, you're lying to yourself. Because you were chosen for that from before. The reason you can't do it is because you're doing it in the flesh on your own, not going to the source of the spirit. 
It's only the source of the spirit that enables you to do what you're called to do. I can't stand my wife, Pastor. I can't stand her sometimes. Welcome to the club, buddy. Quiet men in this room are scared. Bunch of scared, quiet men. I can't stand my wife. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. At that point, you go to God and say, God, why am I so fleshly that I can't understand what you've given me to do? Why am I so... You know when I always say that joke, and you guys have heard it a couple of times, if you don't like me, that's okay, I don't like you. You know that joke? You know that joke? I, I, I actually love everybody. I stand out. Everybody says, oh, Pastor, you always say that. You're, you're like a Pillsbury Doughboy. Come on. <laughs> and you just love everybody. You're sweet. You're always yelling on the outside, and people that... You're always yelling on the outside, oh, man, and when people know you, you say, he's so sweet and so kind and so respectful. I do love people. Is it just me, or are there just some people that just get on you? No, you can't do it. Is it just me? If it's just me, please all be praying for me. I don't know, but there's just some people. Yes, you getting your mom like, God help me. You know? And then at that point, you got to understand, do you have relatives like that? Anybody have a relative like that? You can raise your hand. Cameras, just point at me. Don't point at them in case some relative's watching online. There you go. You got a relative like that? You just get that relative just, just, you know, just like, oh, my gosh. And sometimes it's people you're supposed to love. It's people you're supposed to love. And people that say, I love you. And you're like, come on. You don't really love me, man. You don't love me. You say you love me with your mouth. You don't really love me. And you have that. Aren't there other people? Here's a really fleshly thought. Aren't there people you've invested in all your life? And after you did everything good for them, you mess up one time and now you suck in their life after. after. It's one thing they don't agree with you. One thing. They don't agree. One thing they don't agree with you. And it just, and it just hits you in their mind. You know, it just hits you. You're like, yeah, why? 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 Plus, those kids, ungrateful kids, like my dad. I was with my dad the other day. My dad says, I don't know how many years I got left. I may die in it tomorrow. I may die in a week. I may die in a couple of years. I, mean, I said, Dad, you got to stop saying you're dying. You went to the doctor. You're completely healthy. You keep on saying you're dying. You know what's going to happen, right? You're going to die. I said, you're proclaiming with your mouth. Shut your mouth up and start speaking positive words, Dad. And I looked at him. And he says, well, so yesterday he's sitting in the car. And he says, I don't know if I'm going to die in a week. I don't know if I'm going to die in two and I looked through the rearview mirror. We're coming from Charlotte. And he's sitting in the back seat. I looked through the rear mirror. He goes, I don't know if I'm going to die in one, in a day, in a week. I don't know if I'm going to die in two. He looks through the mirror. He says, or God just may grant me a hundred more years. Right, son? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, dad, you know why I want you to proclaim that? Because if you die, you're going to Jesus. It's going to be okay. But I'm going to miss you so much because you've been the best dad in the world. And you say, well, has he been the best dad of the world? No, he screwed up a whole bunch of times. So, Pastor, so why are you lying to your dad? Well, I ain't got no other dad, so he's the best dad of the world to me. Come on, the lights just flickered. That's a sign. God's speaking to somebody. Or production's telling me, quick, we're running out of time. Quick, we're running out of time. So, guys, so Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is, guys, there, there's, there's, there's this feeling inside of you that's so fleshly, and I'm trying to expose to you how the flesh works and how the flesh thinks, and I'm exposing you to your daily battles every single time you walk out of here. And I'm telling you, the only way you conquer is that when you start looking in the spirit. God, when I look at my dad, I say, and I really believe this. I really, 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 really believe with all my heart. If my dad dies, I'm going to miss him so much. We've become buddies. 
We hang out three, four times a week. We hang out. You know what it took? You know what it took for me to love my dad so much? You know what it took to me? When my kids left home. When my boys weren't there anymore, I turned back to my dad. And all I could think was, Dad, all I think about is where you messed up, but I never realized how I messed up. I forgot you. I was so caught up in being a good dad and being a good husband. I was so caught up in being a good pastor and being a good entrepreneur and being a good person. I screwed it up. I forgot dad. And I was able to focus on all his negativity and not focus on the fact. Now, we work out together. And you know what? We go out at least three days a week. We go hang out together. And you know what he tells me on Monday? Same thing he tells me on Wednesday. You know what stories he tells me on Wednesday? Same story he tells me on Friday. And you know what he does all around the next week when we start on Monday? Tells me the story again. And he tells me. And then he always starts the story like this. Did I ever tell you the story? And I'm going to honest with you. I lie through my teeth. I'm in sin. I say, no, dad, tell me again. And he looks at me and he tells me the story. And you know what? I want him to keep on telling me every day we have. I want to keep on telling me because nobody knows what they... Pastor, how did you get there? It took me to go in the spirit and look at my dad in the spirit, not in the flesh. Now, I'm in the introduction today and my time's out. So here we go. You ready? Hold on to your horses. I'm, in, I'm on introduction. Pastor, what are you saying? I got like 55 minutes left of sermon. I got to do it in 10. So pay attention. Here's the conflict I have. You were designated in heaven in your, pre, in your commissioning mission date when you were born to do something for God's glory here on earth. God, hey, does God not know that the earth is messed up? So why did he send you? I'm loving this because some of you folks that came from other churches are like, man, that was never a Sunday sermon in my church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watch, watch. If God knows it, and he, how many think God is good? How many times is God good? You guys know that by heart already. It's so religious. So he said, but why? Then two questions. Number one, why would God send you to this mess up world if he's so good? Well, pastor, don't say that. That's not right. That's the way the atheists think. So why don't you challenge it? Pastors are afraid to take it on. I'll take it on. Here's another one. If God's so good, why does Satan exist? Well, Pastor, we, no, okay, don't relax, relax. A 10-minute breakdown. I'm going to give it to you. 10-minute breakdown. Here's number one. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, 12, it says, this is what the Bible says on the origins of Satan and how he came to exist. It says, how, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star. It says, how you have fallen. It's talking about Lucifer. The word Lucifer comes from Latin. It's not a Bible word. It's not a Hebrew or Greek word. The problem is in Scripture, when it says Lucifer, when they translated the Bible in the Vulgata, Latin, when they translated it, they took it from its original roots. And what they did is they, they read what it says. If I, I don't pronounce this wrong, but I think it's called Wahelm is the real word in Hebrew. It says Guanhelm. And Guanhelm means one, listen to this, one, listen to this, listen, one who brings worship through light. One who carries the portrayer of worship through light. That's what it means. 
And the reason they wrote that is because in scripture, every time you read one helm in Bible, in the original term, a portion like this, it says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star. What it says is you fell, you were in heaven. He was a heavenly being. Lucifer was in heaven, but he fell from heaven and he was the morning star. He was Lucifer. Lucifer is not, you're like, oh, Lucifer, Lucifer. Oh my gosh, Lucifer. No, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Lucifer is not, oh, Lucifer is actually, wow. Lucifer is, wow. Pastor, what are you saying? If you're visiting, don't freak out. Hold on. Hold on five minutes. I'm not worshiping Satan. Hold on. I'm teaching you something that was taught wrong in your mind because somebody told you, but you have no Bible base for actually believe what you believe. Satan will turn into bad, but when God created him, he was not bad. Because if you ask yourself, why did God put Satan in the Garden of Eden if he was going to be so bad? God never put bad in the Garden of Eden. He put good in the Garden of Eden. And Lucifer wasn't bad. He was good. He was an angel. The Bible says he's a falling angel. So Lucifer's in heaven. He's an angel. God had empowered him. Oh, man, this is my Spanish sermon. I don't have time for this. It's going to kill me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to show you to you. Ezekiel. You guys want it? You guys want to go deep in the Bible? You want to go somewhere and nobody sought you? Everybody, open up your iPads, your phones. Open up your, your, your thingies. Open up whatever you got. If you open up, open up. Pastor, I have a cell phone, but I don't have a, a Bible in it. Shame on you twice. Go download a Bible. They're free. Okay, go download a Bible and free. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 28. Let me jump to my Spanish sermon a minute. It's different from this one. Pastor, why are you teaching that in Spanish and not this? Because I'm teaching them something different. You want to teach better than me? Take my job. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. And go to Ezekiel chapter 28. See, some of you folks just need light churches, what you need. That's why you can't fit into I church. But if you're tired of light churches and you want deep, that's why you need to be here. Now watch, Ezekiel chapter 28. Oh my gosh, I put it in Spanish. Let me find the English version. Hold on. Spanish won't work here. Ezekiel chapter 28. Here we go. Okay, look at this. I want you to go to 28 verse 11. Okay, production. You guys got, uh, try to find it. Just follow me. I know it's hard. Just break down all formats in the back. Go to black screen if you have to. You got it? Okay, here we go. Here we go. It says, the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take up the lament concerning the king of Tyre. It's talking about, it's talking about a king in Tyre, but it's also talking about, it's talking about the king of Tyre, but it's symbolically talking about Satan because there was a king of Tyre, but this is just like in the scripture when a lot of times God says something to man like Peter and he says, get away from me, Satan. What he's really talking about is not to Peter. It's Satan that's standing right behind him. So it's an illustration through. So here's what it says. It says, concerning the, t- the king of Tyre and, and, and say to him, this is what he says. This is what the Lord, sovereign Lord says. This is the origins of Satan. Watch. This is Lucifer at his best. You were the seal of perfection. What was he? The seal of what? Full of wisdom and beauty and perfect in beauty. Was he handsome or was he ugly? Handsome. Watch this. You were in Eden. Where was he? Now, you know it's not talking about the king because the king didn't live in Eden. Eden was closed. It's talking about Satan that was in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Adam and Eve, right? That's where he's talking about. So he says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Now, I'm going to kill these words here in my translation because I don't know that good of English. But it says, carmelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, uh, lapis, uh, lazuli, turquoise, beryl. These are, it's saying all these beautiful stones. Now, for those that like jotting down, jot down. I'm not going to go there. I don't have time. Jot down apocalypse 
Apocalypse, is, uh, not Apocalypse, in English it's Revelation. Jot down Revelation chapter 20. Read chapter 20 when it talks about the new Jerusalem and it says how the new Jerusalem is. When it talks about heaven, see what it says in heaven. Come back at tonight and go, oh my gosh, the angel was wearing the colors of heaven. Right, because he was from heaven. That's what the Bible's saying. You, the more colors you have, the higher your rank as an angel. Watch this. Your settings and more, and, and, and you, your setting and mountings in the Garden of Eden were made of gold. This guy had a special place. When it says you're made of gold, it's actually saying he was an angel. It's a cherubim. If I lost you a minute, don't worry about it. The Bible talks up in Apocalypse is about different classifications of angels. It says that some of them specifically are chosen to be guards with authority. They're a special angel. So there's an angel in heaven that God sent to the Garden of Eden. God sent to the Garden of Eden. He had a special, he was a cherubim. He was a special chosen angel in the Garden of Eden. And on the day you were created, and on the day, on the day you were created, they were prepared. Now watch this. He prepared the gold. God prepared, God created Lucifer with a good intention. God created Lucifer not to hurt man in the Garden of Eden. God had another purpose with this angel. What was the purpose of this angel? Now, I can't go into that for all the worshipers in here, worship leaders. Listen, the reason he was created in the Garden of Eden is because he was sent to be able to be a tool. Listen, watch. Go back here. Everybody pay attention. Watch here. He was created in heaven and God empowered him in heaven before he was an angel. And God did similar to man, different from other angels, and he sent them to... He's done the same thing with with Gabriel. In the Bible, you see the angel that shows up to Virgin Mary and as favored you are there are some angels that are chosen and for some reason they're sent to earth and when they're sent to earth this one angel was sent to the garden of eden and god sent this angel who is not a man but it will be next to man and woman the first angel to hang out with man and woman jesus was there in the beginning because he was before abraham and he was the word and the bible said the word was in the beginning and the, when the word is when god created um, 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 creation so when god created creation the, he did it with his word he said so there let there be water so jesus was there god was there in the pre-existence you and i were there we're in this heavenly realm creation is being born and god takes one angel and says i'm going to create mankind i'm sending this one angel to hang out with adam and eve so this angel shows up why didn't why didn't why oh man this is good stuff why didn't um why didn't eve do this why didn't because nobody ever answers that when there's a serpent shows up and grabs an apple why didn't eve go oh a serpent is talking and asking me if i should eat from the why didn't she do that because she hung out with him when he speaks to him, she's like, not, she's like, yeah, well, he said this and this. Why? Because she was used to the voice because the angel that God had sent, which was Lucifer, was in the Garden of Eden with a given purpose. It says you were in the Garden of Eden. It says you were there with a purpose. You were shining. It says you were, listen to this, verse 14. You ready? Hold on. All Christian folks, watch. I'm going to blow some of you out of the water. Watch. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. I might have pronounced that wrong. For so I ordained you. God is saying, I sent you to be a guardian cherub. Now, I need time to explain to you what a guardian cherub does, but what he does actually is, look, he intercedes. If I grab right now, Rob, can you come up here real quick? Josue, can you come up over here real quick? Let me show you what a guardian, you stand on that, on that, on that step and you stand on this step. Here is God. Here is mankind. The angel in cherub in the Bible always shows up like this. He's hanging out with God and God says, go tell Mary that I'm going to put a baby in her body. Go remind her of her spiritual purpose. Remind her why she's here let her feel my presence and he comes down and says mary favored you are you're beautiful mary mary favored you are you will have a child 
You will bear a child, Mary, and your child will be a virgin, and there you are, a baby. Oh, thank you, God, thank you. That's how it was. He always showed up. Watch. Uh, he's out here, and then you got the prophet, and the prophet's on the donkey, and the prophet's going, and the angel shows up, and he won't see it, but the donkey does. He says, nope, tell him that he can. He's always an intercessory of the process. Same thing happens in heaven when you go and you read in the book of Revelations, and you talk about the worship in heaven. The Bible says that the elders are standing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The visitors are like, I have no idea. It's pretty cool that we're going there. Someday you'll get it. But I'm going to get, get to something that you will understand. The, the elders are standing. All the elders, listen, you're standing on the mountain. And on the bottom are all the worshipers. And the Bible says that right next to the throne of God are four angels that are cherubs that are standing there. And, and the army of angel cherubs are standing right behind them. Why? Because they understand man the way angels don't understand. Regular angels do not understand like this one. So in the Garden of Eden before sin, he wasn't intercessory. He was this. Grab my arm. I can't let go of the mic. He was this. He was a divine connection between man and him. And what would he do? What would he do in the morning when man woke up and man worshiped God? Just make believe you're going to worship God there. Say something. Worship God. God, you're awesome. God, he says, you're awesome. I'm feeling it. Oh, creation says. But he would interpret it in heavenly language so the angels around him, not God, so the angels would understand. Being there in this process in the Garden of Eden, something happened. He was anointed to be, he was an angel that was anointed to understand man to a certain level higher than regular angels. That's what cherubs do. Now watch this. You guys sit. Now watch this. Watch this. It says, it says, I anointed you. You were anointed as the guardian cherub for I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You walked among the, oh, I wish I had time. I can't go there. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways. There was no sin in him. From the day you were created till wickedness found, was found in you. What was found in him? Something happened where this angel decided to go viral. He decided to go rogue. He decided to go against God. What happened? Verse 16 says it. It says, through your widespread trade, man, I wish that was in English, in Spanish. In Spanish, it doesn't say trade. It says job, and nobody's going to get it. It says work. It says work. It says through your widespread trade, through the, everybody watch, watch here, through the thing I designated you supernaturally to understand in man, through that, through understanding man, you were filled with violence and you sinned. Pastor, why was he filled with violence? Everybody, I don't have to have to go there. In Genesis chapter, in Genesis chapter one, when God creates man, he tells man in Genesis chapter one, what does he tell man he says i so so therefore i created man and i gave man what over animals and what over creation what did he give us thank you church thank you jesus for helping he gave him dominion you know what man had that he didn't have number one man had dominion see the angel is doing exactly what god's telling him to do and he's seeing the angel stand there lucifer saying wait a minute these guys got something that we don't got he understood worshipers watch he understood the power of praise and when he understood the power of praise he was like this is good oh man this is good when man worships god oh, oh it was bigger than you and i know it bigger than what you you and i don't understand praise the way he did he was like oh 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 he wanted that he wanted the praise but then he thought how do i get the praise how how did wickedness come in him when he looked at man he said i would like them to 
praise me. Pastor, how do you know that? Because in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, when you go back, he says, I will put my throne on top of your throne and I will put your, the angels, the stars above you will be under me and I will govern. He say, the Bible tells us what happened to him. He wanted it so bad. And you know what he needed to do to be able to receive it? You know what he needed to do? He needed to contaminate mankind. Come on, man. He needed to mess up mankind. How does he mess up mankind? He's got to take him into sin. He's got to make him lose his authority and give it up. God empowered man to have authority. God empowered man to have, I like the word dominion. He empowered man to have dominion, to walk over the land, to be happy. You were born with a purpose. God sent you to earth with a purpose. God sent you with the power of praise. God put you on earth for it. God has given you something that other people don't have. You're sitting here right now and listen to this. You still have access to it. We lost it at a given point. We lost it after sin, but we gained it with the crucifixion crucifixion of Christ. That's why Christ died. You thought Christ died just to save you. Christ didn't just die to save you. Christ died to save you, but give you back what you had lost because sin pulls you away from your anointing. But you were anointed on earth to do. If you go, everybody look it up later in your house. If you go into the book of Hebrews chapter 2, you're going to see how it says that angels committed sin. Pastor, angels can't commit sin. Then how come Satan sinned? How come one third of all the angels fell down to earth? How, How did that happen? They have free will just like us. And this Lucifer stood there and said, I want this, but I can't have it. I'm never going to convince them because they're pure and they're under their power and they're under their anointing and they have something and I want what they have. So he came around, popped up as a serpent and said, why? He lied to him and said, why do you not eat from this tree? He said, well, because God said, don't eat from it. Said, if you ate from it, you would understand this and this. Now watch this. Stop. Everybody pay attention. Everybody. She had at that point, woman, listen, she had at that point the authority, the dominion and the power to say no. She had it. All she needed to do, step one second aside from Satan and all the things Satan was saying and say, God, you made me for something greater. What was it? I don't want to unfocus. God would have given it to her in the spirit. She would have turned back and she would have said, no, don't need it. But she said, well, then I want to try it. Yes. When she did that, she transferred her dominion from her to him. Why did Satan want the dominion? Watch. Why did Satan want it? Because now disobedience came and therefore sin. And sin departs us from God. He achieved his goal. Now, watch this. You ready? 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 I know I lost a couple of you. Come on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This is good stuff. When he departed him, what did Satan know? And how does Satan achieve worship? Only one way. Because God knows that there's one thing man has that angels don't. What is it? Man and women get together and have babies. Angels don't get together and have babies. Angels depend on God to create them. So angels don't have the power to multiply. If he wants a body of worshipers, he's not going to get it unless man gives it to him. So he contaminated man so man can multiply himself and the fruit of our loins grows further and further and further from God. I don't know if you're living the prophecy right now, but our generation is getting further and further and further from God. Somebody's having success in this war. Somebody's winning the war. Pastor, why? Because nobody's pissed off enough. What? Yeah, here. 
I'm going to finish. I'm going to jump to the end of my sermon. I wish I had time to talk to you about Samahain. What is Samahain? I'm not going to tell you everything. We're not going to put it on screen, but just put, throw pictures up if you want. Samahain is a group of Celtic worshiping priests. And Samahain, in, in the Greek Roman time, when Christianity is exploding in Europe and it's growing very big, what happened in those times was that the Greek Roman, it is not in Bible, this is in history, the Greek Roman, like Julius Caesar, they write in a book about the Samahain festival. And what's the Samahain festival? It's the time when, when winter comes to a closing, when, when summer comes to a closing and the cold is coming. And look what happens in the cold era. In the cold era, the long, bright days become darker. So in their mind, they understood that it was an era of darkness in the cold days our crop dies so they related it to demons and what they did the Samahain Samahain had the Celtic Druids and the Celtic Druids would take the Samahain once a year and they would worship the false spirits the demonic spirits once a year and they would tell everybody your loved ones need you to give them money your loved ones so they would sit at the table at the last day of october or the first day of november day of the dead and they would sit there and they would prepare tables and what they would do is they would sit there with an empty plate and they would put food and the belongings of that dead person and they would wait for somebody to knock on the door and when somebody knocked on the door they would grab it and they would go out there and the Druid priests would come running through the neighborhood with costumes of demon spirits on them. And they would say, here it is, give it to them and release them. Because if they gave them tribute and if they gave it worship in exchange, you would be blessed for what you gave them. So you would ask for the blessing of the dead spirits over your life. The Druids did that because sometimes a sacrifice at the door would not be the belongings, but it would be your youngest child. Because when a soul dies, when a soul is killed... They know there's a spirit in that person. So they would ask the family to commit a crime, which is delivering a life and killing it, which is against scripture. And you would give your child to sacrifice and they would take your child and they would kill it. Now there is not just a family sinning and departing from God, but there is also a person's spirit that's going to be released. And they would understand that they would be more empowered because some spirit that had a cause is no longer going to comply its cause. And now because it can't comply a cause, the generations to come are further and further from God. So they have created an empire and the empire of what one time in this special occasion that we find so innocently, but back in the time was Samhaim has become a festival of worship to a false pagan God. And as you have this festival of worship, they would take praise and they would take dance and they would take offerings and they would get together and they would read. And it sounds just like a church the problem is they're worshiping satan and when you go back to lucifer he could stand there and say i got this i got this i've contaminated man enough to not live in the spirit and not be full of god i've contaminated him enough i don't have time first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 musicians come on up it says no temptation here's here's what i do have for you what pastor i do have this for you before you go no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You hear me? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. You hear me? God is faithful. What is God? Church, what is God? 
faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will not let you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you feel in the season you're in right now, but everything you feel right now, you got to understand that the serpent shows up constantly telling you you're defeated, telling you you're not going to make it. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your finances. It could be in your emotions. It could be you think it's just life, and I'm telling you that life is the one in the middle that departs you. Life is not what's going on. It's spiritual warfare trying to get you unconcentrated from what is real in your life and what is fake in your life and it's going to try to detour you from your god-given purpose and anointing and it's telling you that you have nothing left inside of you it's telling you that you can't make it and you got to understand that it is big it is difficult Uh, listen you are beautiful people and it is difficult i know it is but you need to renew your spirit in god and come back and say god i need you on sunday i need your word i need to bathe in deep profound scripture i need it because i know what the pastor saying is true you believe 60% of what I taught you through scripture you believe 100% I don't care that's up to you but there is one thing you know and you know what the spiritual warfare goes on but you never had the biblical context to back it up today I backed it up for you and I've explained the whole plan Satan has and I'm telling you that every time that you depart from God every time you get colder every time you walk away from the purpose God has from you for you you are being part of a given plan that you are succeeding Satan in and I'm telling you that every time you go contrary to that and say holy spirit of god be fresh on me pour on me speak to me come over me bathe me god because i need you give it to me god when you do that what happens is you're able to understand things that were before in heaven that you don't understand that's why when you're in the car sometimes you get chill bumps when you feel god is there or you hear a worship or sometimes you just read a word and went "Mm." or sometimes you heard the preacher and you said oh that was god right there and you feel it inside of you you don't know why the problem is that your spiritual being is so flooding you that you're able to understand and unlock in your brain things that you couldn't unlock before and they make sense to you you just know you have to do it you know why poor oh man god help me i'm out of time you know why god you know why poor people love god more than rich people it ain't because they're poor it ain't because they're poor think about it for a second i got no food and let me tell you something, everybody in this room is rich. Everybody. You ain't seen poor people. You ain't seen poor. Pastor, I've been poor. No, 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 no. You ain't seen poor. Believe me. You talk, talk to your old pastor about that. Don't talk to this pastor about it. I've been out there. I've been to Haiti. I've been out there. I've seen it. You ain't poor. Those that have gone to the mission field, you know what poor is. You ain't poor. You ain't poor. You got it. You're poor is when your air, AC breaks down. That's poor for you. You're poor is you ain't got a car. You're poor as you can't pay the light bill. That's poor for you. Poor as I've never seen light. That's poor. So, so poor people worship God, Pastor, because, because it's, just, it's just a given. It is. It is. Poor people worship God easier than rich people. It is. That's why Jesus said that a rich man to go into heaven is like a camel going through an eye of a needle. Why? Pastor, why do poor people worship? It's hard to worship God when you're poor. Why? Think about it. God, I'm in need. God, my children haven't eaten, and I'm going to believe you to provide for my kids. Jesus, I have a Lord and Savior. Oh, Jesus, provide, provide, provide. And you set up the table, and nothing shows up. That's a good reason to stop believing in God when your kids are starving. That's a good reason to stop believing in God. Pastor, then why do they persist in believing in God so much? Why do little poor people persist in believing in God? Same way, and I could say this here. I could say this here. Um, same reason it's like when we, when we talk about gospel 
automatically everybody thinks about black people or African-American or that according to Justin Pecan's hand. What, whatever you want to call it. Same thing, same thing, same thing with African-American. You know why gospel music is so powerful? In any language. You take gospel, turn it into country. It's powerful. You know why it's so powerful? It's not the poorness. It's the brokenness. Take a broken person and give them a chance to worship. You know, you know why being poor brings you close to God? You know why being poor brings you close to God? Not because he provided. Because he's your only hope. There is no other hope. When you're broken, you got no other hope. You run to God. Man runs to God when there's nowhere else. You have a baby and he's sick. And you can't. I, I've seen this. You have a baby, he's sick. Let's take him to the doctor. Let's say, oh no, we can't. We're refugees. What do you mean? Come on, I'll pay. I'll pay, man. I'll pay. Take the baby's dying. I'll take him to the doctor. No, Pastor, we can't. Why? Because he's a refugee. But, but, but listen, man, let me take your baby. No, Pastor, no, no. Do what you got to do. And I'm like, this is a true life story. Do what you got to do. No, but, but you got to understand that the baby, come on, man. I, listen, I will pull out the money and solve the problem, people. I will take, they're going to take this baby. Pastor, they will not take our baby in the hospital. There's no documents for him. He's a Haitian child. He's a Haitian refugee bastard. Haitian refugee bastards aren't accepted in hospitals. You can't take them. I'm like, listen, I will do this. And my daughters came from that background. So I'm like, I got to do something for this child. And I'm like, I want to help this child. I want to, no, you can't. Pastor, just do what you got to do. And the man of faith that everybody looked up to in that community, and everybody would come to that hut to worship with that man because the preacher, I was like the bomb of the neighborhood. And I was a very poor neighborhood. That's why I could became the bomb easily. But I was the bomb of the neighborhood, the preacher, the great man anointed by God that would speak. And all they say is do what you got to do. I'm like, all right, let's go to the pharmacy and get some medication. Like, no, you can't get medication, Pastor. Why? The baby's dead. I'm like, no, come on. The the baby passed away. Pastor, we don't have time for medication. Do what you do. And I'm like, guys, I'm here as a missionary. And the lady looks at me and says, no, you do like Elijah. You do like Elijah. Elishel. Elaha. 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 And I look at the lady. I try and say, what did she say? He says, do what Elijah did. I drop on my knees and I lay on top of the baby and my body's on top of the baby praying, God, please save this child from death. You don't, you don't go to the pharmacy. Your brokenness takes you to God. Now, here's the thing. Do you need God to break you for you to go to him or can you go with him because you voluntarily break yourself? Do you need God to break you or do you voluntarily say, God, I can't pay this light bill. God, my child, (laughs) I know I love you and I believe in you, but some days I just feel a little weary and tired. No, you're being attacked. Pour Pour on me, God. Pour on me. God, I can't deal with this marriage. I can't deal. I can't pressure. Pressure. I can't deal. I mean, you got to understand, man. It's just sometimes it's really hard. I can't. Remind me why you sent me. Remind me what you anointed me with. Because you anointed another guy and he turned his back on you. You anointed one guy that you privileged him with being next to us. And he wanted to steal me from you. But I deny that Satan steal me from my God-given purpose. And when Satan tells me to give up, 
I look up to you into the heavens where my strength comes from. My strength cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You are the rock of my salvation. You are my purpose. And in all my weaknesses, I shall come to you and only you. For you know me better than I know me. You knew me before the womb of my mother. You know what you gave me and empowered me with. But sometimes in life, I forget the power. I forget the anointing. I forget that I was equipped in heaven for what I'm called to do here on earth. You called me for the kingdom. Show me. Bathe me with your presence, Jesus. Because it's the only way that I won't let Satan mess me up. He wants to mess up with my... He wants to mess up with... He wants to mess up... He wants to mess up... He wants to mess up... He wants to mess up your... He wants to mess up your... He's been attacking because he wants to mess up your... He wants to find a way to just mess you up at... Pastor, tell me what it is. No, 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 no. You know where it is. Help me tell Satan. Don't mess around. I don't have time, church. Mine... Is like David. That's why I preached enough is enough. When David heard, when David heard Goliath disowning God, put that final, put Samuel up for me. Put Samuel up. I think it's, I think it's uh, uh, the verse 26 or 25, 23rd, where it says David. It starts with David. When David heard, he went up and he says, what, did, what are they offering the guy that kills this giant? What are they offering him? He says, what, 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 do they, what do they offer him? Here, let me find a few. Hang on, I'm sorry. David, verse 26, 1726. It was right there. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done to the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? What, what are they going to What are they going to give to him? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Shh, shh, watch, watch. Ready? 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 I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Ready? Listen, guys. I want you guys to answer it. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the living God? I'm going to do that again. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the living God? Is that what it says? What does it say? That he would defy the what? In heaven... God took David and went, David, you will raise the army of God. You will take care of the army of God. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up there's an army rising up to break every chain break every chain break every chain to break every chain break every chain break every chain so so david was not pissed off 
Well, let me use a nicer word. Come on. I got, I, I'm really on a mission to correct my vocabulary. Not because I speak foul languages. You guys got to understand that I spoke Spanish for 17 years. It's, 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 what's bad for you is not bad for me sometimes in my head. And I, I, I'm learning to be more cult. I'm learning to be more, 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 not cult is a bad word here too. I'm learning to be more distinguished, more elegant. But, but, ah, uh, Bill Hybel's word. Bill Hybel's word. David's holy discontent. David's holy discontent. His mission. He wasn't mad because they were defying God. Think about it. Ah, I'm Goliath. I'm Goliath. And your God is stupid. Your God's an idiot. Your God. How many of you think God is in heaven going, Goliath insulted me. Oh, Goliath. David, can you protect me? Your God is stupid. Your God. God's got this. But he didn't defy God. He defied the, he defied the armies of the living God. David could not understand in his mind why the body of Christ would not be aggressive with the authority they have and would let Satan steal their authority and their dominion on earth. Because Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and authorities that have dominion over the earth. So what he was really wholly discontent of was the fact that Satan had come into the mind of the army of God and the army of God was reacting in a in, in a frivolous scary way like if they had no authority and David saying I can't believe you're doing this to the army of God Satan saying I can't believe you have come out and got great men and women special people who were anointed and chosen for something big and you've put in their heads some way that they're not good at what they do and that they're not going to make it I give me my stones move away because I'm taking this giant down and his objective was not the giant in front of him his objective was the giant in the heart of the armies because right after that battle the bible says that they ran after the philistines for miles and miles and miles and miles and the philistines fled and not just that but they went and killed five four more giants in the process why because david said don't mess with my calling don't mess he came to god and says i got a calling don't mess with my calling now 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 you may be called to be a you may have been empowered by God to be a freaking great mom you may have been empowered by God to be a great husband you may have been empowered by God to be a great child you you think you're not a good mom you think you're not a good husband you think you're not a good employee you think you're not a good business owner but you were empowered by God maybe you were empowered by God to make money with such ease some people suffer making money but maybe you make money with ease because you empower the kingdom of God maybe you're able to pray for people and see them heal maybe you're able to work with marriages maybe you're able to work with your husband in a way nobody could maybe you have a child 
child that has a problem. Maybe mommy and daddy are at home and they need you to be the anointed one over their family. Maybe you're the one child that's supposed to be praying for mom and dad and say, mommy, daddy, I don't pray for you. I want to start praying for you. I don't know if I pray good. I don't know if I pray bad, but I'm going to start praying for you. You are that person that's chosen. And what David is upset about, what he is wholly discontent about is the fact that in his mind, he cannot fathom how the body of God is staying still. See, when I come to God and I say, God, help me, remind me. God always reminds me. I sent you just like David. You are the David of our church. I say, God, God. And he says, you don't stand mediocre Christianity. You don't stand it. You will push Christians to be the best they're called to be. You're going to push women to be anointed, Holy Spirit filled, powerful women that come home and declare the name of Jesus and demons cast out. You are the pastor that comes and tells men, get up and rise up and man up and be the man God called you to be. Serve God faithfully. Give him what's his. Take your family from the snatches of Satan and tell Satan you've had enough. Enough is enough. You are the pastor that will go to church every Sunday and tell the youth, what are you going to do? Just stand there and be ridiculous or are you going to call mom and dad out and mom tell mommy and daddy, mommy, daddy, you guys got to be in church more often. We got to go to the house of God. Things are bad out there we need to revolutionize this are you the person i'm going to be the person that's going to challenge so when god reminds me what i'm called to i come back up on the altar and i stand here and i stand in front of this congregation and i tell you one thing and this is what i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you that you need a fresh outpouring of the presence of the holy spirit i'm going to tell you that you are the army of god but i can't even sing the song of the army of god that's already keyed up and you know why i can't sing it i can't sing it for one reason you can't be the army of god until you've had the pouring of the presence of the holy spirit until you said god here I am. May your name be sufficient. God, here I am. I love this. Let my atmosphere change. Let my mind change. So everybody, please close your eyes. Bow your heads. And with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, here's what I have for you. As you walk in and out in the next five minutes, I'm not going to do an altar call because I'm short on time, but I will call you out. If you're sitting in the congregation and you're listening to this message, if you're watching online right now as I speak, this applies to you too. So to those online right now watching on internet, to those watching through the channel of iChurch TV, to those sitting in the sanctuary i'm coming before you right now where why in the world have you let go of that oomph why are you letting satan mess you up in your blank why are you letting him mess you up in your marriage why are you letting him mess you up and thinking that you don't have authority why are you letting him mess him up he's stealing your dominion do you hear me he's still you will pray over your child and your child will change you will pray over your husband and your husband will change you will pray over your finances and your i'm telling you that you will go to the places god sends you to go and you will pray and you will see miracle don't forget who you are don't forget what you were called for don't forget what you gave up don't forget the god that called you don't forget it child you were called to be in your home under your mama 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 listen mommy listen mommy please please listen your child is put in your hands because you were anointed for that child it doesn't matter if she's sick it doesn't matter if she's scared it doesn't matter you were placed there for that child you have the anointing to carry on the burden god gave you that husband because he knew what he was doing man of god listen to me you went through hell and high water and you survived and you know why you survived because God brought you here to this day he knows what he was doing he knows what you were called for he knows that he's not done with you I'm calling you out in the name of Jesus and here's what I'm gonna do to every single person from the army of God that's listening to me all the way from the internet to all the way in this room if you're listening to me I got news for you there's a spiritual warfare going on Satan's got a plan and somebody's got a response I'm going to repeat that again. 
There's a spiritual warfare going on. Satan's got a plan. And the person that's not fighting is going to lose. So I'm calling you out in the name of Jesus right now. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray over me and my family because I know that there's something special inside of me. But Satan has lied to me. And I'm going to cast them out with authority. I'm going to be the woman God called me to be. I want to be the husband God called me to be. I want to be the child, the son, the daughter. I want to be that business owner. I want to be that ministry leader. I want to be that that, that sent person that you have for the ministry God I want to be it here I am I cast out all lies in the name of Satan are you ready to be free are you ready to let go of that bondage are you ready for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon you are you ready to go to that light and say Jesus I'm in church just shine it on me right now if that's you raise your hands to heaven right now where you are if this message has been God speaking to you raise your hand right there where you are I see your hand 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 that's it that's it that's it come on break it through I'm going to cover you in prayer I'm going to cover you in prayer if that's you rise to your feet right now. Rise to your feet right now. Everybody who raised your hand, rise to your feet right now. Rise to your feet right now. Rise to your feet right now. Rise to your feet. Come on, just go. Just go to your feet. Just go to your feet. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I want to be this dad. I want to be this mom God called me to be. I want to be it. I want to be it. I want to be it. This deep, this profound. Spiritual warriors. Spiritual warriors. Here's what I'm going to do. On the count of three, I want everybody, I'm going to do it twice. I want everybody to take what they believe they're called to do. It be your daughter, it be your son, it be your mom, it be your dad, it be more than one. In my case, it's the army of God. I have the army in front of me, and I'm calling out the army of God. I am calling out the Breathe. Breathe. In the name of Jesus, I declare you breathe like the dry bones. I, I, I declare your joints start coming together. I declare right now healing and anointing and power starts pouring upon you right now as I speak. And if, that, if God's speaking to you and you're feeling that calling right now and you feel it, here's what I want you to do. You know what you're called for. Do you know it? Call it out in your name right where you are. Call it out. Is it, is it your son? Is it your daughter? Is it your grandchildren? Is it pastors? Is it people you minister to? Is it the word? Is it teaching? Is it song? Is it ministry? Is it loving? Is it caring? Is it marriage? What is it? Is it your husband? Is it your daughter? Is it your son? Is it your son that's strung out on drugs? Is it your daughter that's, that, that, that's, that's out on the street? Is it your child that's going the wrong way? What is it? What is it? So I, I see a woman here in this house that hasn't been here for a while. And God tells me you have the gift of anointing of healing in your hand. You have prayed for people and felt the heat on your hand and you're trying to walk away from that anointing. And I'm telling you, don't walk away from it. If God sent you to it, hold it in your hands because that's what God called you to do. And I want you to believe it and don't let anything come against that right now. In the name of Jesus, I want you to, if you know what it is, raise your hand up to the altar right now. Raise your hand up to the altar right now. I want you to do it with one hand only, one hand only. I want you to do it with just one hand, just one hand. Grab what's yours there. Now, here's what I want you to do with that one hand raised, one hand raised with your anointing here's what i want you to do in front of you in front of you i want you to extend the other hand with all the lies satan's telling you about your power and the chosen you are i want you with the other hand to extend it in front of you with all the lies satan has told you you can't do it satan has told you you're a sinner satan had told you you're no good satan has told you you can't do ministry i know there's musicians right now wish they could leave their instruments don't leave it i'm interceding for you too i could feel it right now there's people in the sound booth wish they could be doing it right now but i'm telling you i'm doing it with you right 
right now. Put the other hand in front of you with all the lies. And here's what I want you to see. One hand in front, one up in the sky. The one in the sky is your anointing. The one in front of you, all the lies. In the name of Jesus, I want you to see that your calling is greater than your trial. Your calling is greater than your trial. So here's what I'm going to do. On the count of three, I want you to come to the altar one second, and I want you to drop the lies and take back the anointing. I want you today to symbolically drop all lies, and you come to the altar on the count of three. You touch the altar and go back to your seat and say, Satan, you're a liar. Satan, you're a liar. I believe in the power. I'm not going to fall into the trap. Keep your anointing and let go of your lies. Take the hand that has the lies on the count of one. Take the hands that has all the lies on the count of two. Take the hands that has all the lies on the count of three and come to the altar now. Come to the altar now. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Touch the altar. Touch it and go back. Touch it and go back. Don't stay. Don't stay. Leave me all your lies. Leave me all your lies. Leave all the eyes at the altar. Sacrifice them. Leave all the lies. Leave all those lies. It's a lie. You're a good woman. It's a lie. Your sin doesn't persecute your life. It's a lie. It's a lie. Come out. Come out. Come out. There's a lot of people coming down. Just hold it a second. Wait for everybody. There's a lot of people coming down. Just let it go. Let it go. I'm letting go of this lie. I'm letting go of this lie. I have nowhere to go. This is my house. This is why God brought me here. This is what God's doing. Let go of the lies. Let go of the lies. Only take the anointing. I want you to be free today when you walk out that door. I want you to be free today from all lies. I want you to be free from that plan Satan has against you. I want you to be free. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Father, I love you. I bless you. And I thank you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I take all these lies, all these lies, Satan, you've talked. And I cast them out in the name of Jesus. And I declare that as we walk out of here, the army of God is present with the presence of God. We have heard your voice because we came to the light this morning to receive the word. I pray that you bless everybody in this room. And as they go home, Lord, they go home knowing that it's time to leave all tradition behind and fight as the army of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Who got a word from God? inspired you and helped you break the bondage in your life. It is our desire to see you take a step closer to God. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so by going to ichurchoka.com give. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope that you have a blessed week.